0: And welcome to the weekly Industry 4.0 community podcast uh, put together by 4.0 Solutions. I am your host, Walker D. Reynolds. Today is Tuesday, November 29th, 2002, our last podcast of the month of November. Thank you for joining us. All right, today, so as you guys can probably tell, we have, we're gonna be talking about the hype around ESG. Um, we're going to have some announcements here in the beginning. Uh, Michael Brown um, is going to join us. Um, Michael Brown, formerly of Amazon Web Services, and now with RTS as an architect. He is at the uh, AWS reInvent um, keynote address right now, and he's going to step out at about the 40-minute mark and uh, give us all an update on um sort of what AWS, Amazon Web Services plans on doing in the next year. But for us, we're gonna be talking about the hype around ESG, um, environmental, social and governance, the three pillars from the World Economic Forum. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about like, where does this, where did this come from? Why is it important? How does it impact digital transformation? You know, sort of cut through the hype and get down to the brass tacks, the things that you need to be focusing on. Um, But with that, I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving um, and is fully recovered. And um, I hope you took time out with your families to give thanks for that which you are blessed with. Uh, Announcements for those of you in MES Boot Camp Session 6. Our final development session is this Saturday morning at 8.30. This Saturday morning, 12.3. We will be doing the last development session which sort of ties everything together. Everyone will get to play with the MES system, the manufacturing execution system that they built during the boot bootcamp. Um, we are putting together the plans to launch the advanced course for MES bootcamp, which will take place right after the first of the year. Next week, Saturday, uh, December 10th at 8.30, we'll have about a two hour question and answer session for those in MES bootcamp to answer questions um, about the MES system, I one of the things that I'm I'm kind of playing around with the idea is going um, le- opening up the Q and A to anybody who wants to attend. I have not proposed this to Cheryl or Josh or anyone else on the team yet, so they're probably hearing it for the very first time. But one of the things I I, I like to maybe open it up Saturday morning the Q and A. So for those of you that aren't in the boot camp, you can kind of be there at least for the question and answer session and maybe if you're you're weighing whether you should do the advanced course or take the beginning course, um, you might get the, the questions um, answered that would make you, the, make you decide to take the plunge, okay? Uh, if you are interested in that, please comment down below. As a reminder, I can't see the chat, the live chat. I expect our viewership will be a little lower today because of people might be watching the, the live stream of the AWS reInvent, um, but if you're on the live stream, You know, would you be interested, you know, what do you think about the idea of doing that Q&A, opening it up to everybody um, next Saturday, December 10th? Mentorship is next Friday, December 9th at 9 in the morning. In the last session, we covered namespaces, designing and building a data type. Uh, In this next session, we'll build that data type from scratch. Mastermind call Friday, December 16th at 8. So in our last session, we went over disruptive and transformative leadership the second mountain project example, the Amazon and service-based model and ESG part one, we're gonna be doing ESG part two in our next mastermind. This is sort of the introduction to the to the general community. Those of you watching on LinkedIn, those of you watching on YouTube or listening on Apple podcasts or any of the other podcast apps, um, today is gonna to be our introduction into ESG. Um, all right, let's get right into it. So uh, the hype around ESG, okay. And, I, and, you know, as, as is typical, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut through all the bullshit and just tell you what it is I actually believe. All right. So let's start with, you know, what is ESG the, where does this come from? So lately on LinkedIn, I've, I've been following threads on LinkedIn about, you know, wh- where, where should manufacturers be focused? Like, what is the, there was a question that came up a couple of weeks ago hey, if overall equipment effectiveness, if OEE isn't the predominant KPI that manufacturers should be using for measuring the success of their digital initiative, what should they be using? And a lot of people were giving the answer ESG, right? In in fact, Rick Bellata gave the answer ESG, which I was, if I'm being honest, we were kind of surprised uh, that Rick gave, thinks that ESG is really that valuable because I know for me, for the people I talk to behind the scenes, the other business owners, the other players, they all think it's horse. They just think it's bullshit. They think it's a noble goal that is really just, you know, it's non-standardized. There's no eff- standardized, effective way of measuring the environmental, social, or governance scores of organizations. Um, they think it's all, you know, it's hype. It's just meant. It, it's it's open for abuse. It's open for interpretation. But most importantly, it's not necessarily profitable for businesses. Um, It isn't going to be. And even if there are investors right now who are deciding where to put their money based on your purported ESG score, they will ultimately realize that the ESG score that they're using to decide whether or not to invest in a company is bullshit. And FTX is a really good example. FTX, the crypto company that just went under. You know they had like a, a governance score of like 58 out of 100, which was like 20 points higher than Exxon Mobiles. And then FTX, we come out, we we come out and we find that FTX didn't didn't have a board meeting in like eight months, and they had terrible governance. It was just absolute. It meant nothing. It was it was there was no it was all just bullshit. And and that means that their good, their really really high score wasn't based on. Standards or empirical analysis it was me- it was obviously based on something else, right? So let's talk about what is ESG, okay, real quick. You know, so basically you've got the World Economic Forum. Those of you who are on our in the Discord server, you you may notice or on the YouTube channel, like in the comments, there's been a lot of people saying, "Hey, is Klaus Schwab here?" Or um you know, or in the Discord server, somebody created a handle called Klaus Schwab. So if you don't know who the World Economic Forum is, um, Basically, it's been around for since the 70s. Klaus Schwab was like a academic in I don't know Switzerland or Sweden or something. And and um, you know the World Economic Forum was designed to create um, sort of a guideline, a roadmap for the post-industrial future of the Earth. So so more sustainability, more equity in the world, all that kind of stuff. World Economic Forum you know, gets close ties with governments and they, you know, and the, in the mission of the world economic forum is, is really a noble mission, which is we want more equity. We want more equitable outcomes in the world. We want, we want to be able to sustain the planet. Um, we want less corruption. We, um, you know, we want people, people in general to live better lives. Okay. Part of what, one of the, um, products from the world economic forum is the ESG score. Okay, and if you look up ESG, you know you'll be able to see the basically the three pillars of ESG, which is in in the idea around ESG was really centered around let's go ahead and score companies, organizations on their ESG score, and we'll inform investors about what their ESG score is, so that you could decide if you wanted to be a very socially conscious investor, you could choose to put your money into organizations that have high ESG scores. And in theory, ostensibly, ostensibly, these are organizations that should be doing what's good for people, for planet, et cetera, the environment. Um, So the three pillars of the ESG score is on the environmental. That's the E of the environmental. You've got, we're gonna score companies based on their use of renewable fuels, greenhouse gas emissions, overall energy efficiency, climate risk. Water management, recycling processes, and emergency preparedness. Okay. So if you take each of those uh, sub elements of that pillar, what we want to do is be able to create key performance indicators, KPIs of, you know, how do we measure your use of renewable fuels? What's the key performance indicator we would use? What we can measure greenhouse gases, right, energy efficiency, climate risk. We wanna write standards so that we can do these measurements. This is where digital transformation comes in and environmental is really the area where we can help companies understand better their environmental impact through uh, the collection, the connection, collection, storage, analysis, and visualization of data points, sensor data points that can measure things like renewable fuels, greenhouse gases, energy efficiency, climate risk, water management, recycling processes, and emergency preparedness. That's, this is really the area where we can help the most. Okay. Under the social pillar, this is where things start to get murky. Okay. Under the social pillar, you got health and safety, which we can measure, right? You know, Heinrich's accident triangle. We could easily with Heinrich's accident triangle, where you have, you know, you have to have a certain number of at-risk behaviors before you have a a near miss. You have to have a certain number of near misses before you have a first aid. You have to have a first certain number of first aids before you have um, a lost time accident. You have to have a certain number of lost time accidents before you have a fatality, an employee die, right? You can collect information at each layer of the pyramid, Heinrich's accident triangle to determine overall health and safety of your employees. You can measure health, you can, and you can do that through uh, your health insurance, Metrics. I, you know, as a business owner, I get lots of information from our health insurance provider every year on the overall health of my employees and then I can help initiate programs that make our employees more healthy. Like as a, as a business owner, I could incentivize employees to go to the gym every day or, you know, get, get exercise. We could, we could invest in, in, you know, Fitbit, you know, Fitbits for everybody, that kind of stuff. You can measure health and safety pretty easily okay uh working conditions is tougher employee benefits is pretty tough diversity and inclusion is basically impossible how are you you know the even even you know, those words are they're really buzzwords like what is inclusion what is diversity you know in 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 um it's hard it's hard to measure diversity and inclusion doesn't mean that they're not noble goals but pretty hard to measure human rights what are human rights? You have some people who believe this particular thing is a human right and you have other people who believe that it's not, okay? Impact on local communities. How do you measure impact on local communities? Generally in social, it's, it's how much money are you donating to local communities, okay? And then under the governance pillar, you've got ethical standards, you got board diversity and governance, you got stakeholder engagement, shareholder rights, and pay for performance. So in theory... When people are saying, hey, ESG, the higher the ESG score in these three pillars, so the higher your environmental score, the higher your social score, the higher your governance score, the more effective your digital transformation initiatives are, okay? And somehow, as as um, industry 4.0 companies, what we need to be focused on is the acquisition of the data points, digital data points across the organization, the aggregation, the analysis, and the um, measurement and comparative analysis of those key performance indicators for ESG. And as as that number, ESG number goes up, the the more effective your digital transformation initiative is, okay? Um, ESG, the way it's used is investors, and I think right now the number is something like $17 trillion so there are etfs out there there are bond companies there are uh, institutional investors there are series a and series b investors who are focused on hey we're going to put our money only into companies that have I- high esg scores okay and and i think between 2020 and 2021 the total spend for the the companies that have the highest esg scores what well, went from like twelve trillion dollars in the U.S. to like, or yeah, or maybe globally, twelve trillion to seventeen trillion. Okay, so big jump, obviously, right? Fifty percent, sixty percent increase. All sounds good. Okay, so that's the what is ESG. The pros of ESG is that in theory we are in in theory we are funneling money, private investors, institutional investors, commercial investors. Right. They are funneling their money towards the companies that are, in theory, doing what's best for humanity. Okay. At the same time, they're providing if I got to choose between soda water manufacturer A and soda water manufacturer B, and, um, you know, A has a really high ESG score and they're good for the environment and they're good for people and they're good for diversity and inclusion and their workers are safe, and company B is not. Uh, let me put my money in company a and let's get rid of company b right so that those are all good things they're noble so the pros are if i've got a i can invest in companies that are doing good the cons are and there are a lot more cons than there are our pros unfortunately and it doesn't take a whole doesn't take a rocket scientist to to find this is this this in in um it's very very hard to standardize things like diversity and inclusion. It's very hard to standardize human rights. Okay, there are people, The fa- here's a really good example. There are founders, the founders of the United States, okay, that, so the fr- framers of our constitution believed that um, one of our inalienable rights as as free people here on earth is the right to protect ourselves with firearms. Okay, so that would that's the Second Amendment. We're allowed we we have a right to defend ourselves against despotic governments using firearms. We can create militias so that we can fight against the government in the event that the government overreaches or takes power, takes rights from us that we believe we have. There are people who believe that that's a human right and there are people who don't believe that's a human right. There are people who believe and there and there are huge numbers of people on each side of the argument. When you're setting the pillar, when you're defining what a social human right is, who defines what that human right is? And, and and do you define that based on the region of the country or the region of the world you're operating in? So are are we gonna from 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 some ivory tower in Switzerland, is someone going to define what human rights are? And are we going to say that? You know, nations don't have the freedom to govern, at, you know, as they see fit. Are we, and 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 I, I have neither. An, I don't really have an opinion on this piece. Right. I, 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 tr- I generally try to stay out of politics for the most part. I keep I stay well read, but I try to stay out of it. But these are real impact. We have to talk about what the real impacts are here. It's like, is ESG going to be is going to be around for the long haul? Like, is it really going to yield? Is ESG going to be an effective measurement of the efficacy of a digital transformation initiative over time. Is ESG a really good measurement of a good company? And what is a good company? It's a company that takes care of its employees. That is, it pays the paychecks and does the things for its employees that it says it's going to do. Okay. It supports those communities through those employees. And it looks out for the best interest of the shareholders. Shareholders are taking capital. That is money that they've gotten ex- in exchange for their work they're investing in that company and they're expecting to get more money back in return as that company grows right that's how this this works is esg an effective measurement of that efficacy and clearly the answer is no i mean clearly it it doesn't take a whole lot of you have to do a whole lot of research to figure out i mean even the harvard business review we're going to be putting some links in here um there's an article by the harvard business review from March of this year called An Inconvenient Truth About ESG Investing, okay? And I'm just gonna quickly read the first two, par- three, first two paragraphs of the article, okay? Uh, As of December 2021, assets under management at Global Exchange traded sustainable funds that publicly set environmental, social, and governance investment objectives amounted to more than $2.7 trillion. 81% were in European-based funds and 13% in US based funds. In the fourth quarter of 2021 alone, $143 billion in new capital flowed into these ESG funds. How have those investors fared? Well, not that well, it seems. To begin with, ESG funds certainly perform poorly in financial terms. Okay. Now, now the question is why, but they perform poorly. In a recent journal of finance paper, University of Chicago researchers analyzed the Morningstar sustainability ratings of more than 20,000 mutual funds, representing over $8 trillion of investor savings. So think about the money. The money that's in the market is the money that, for me, as a, wor- as a worker, I traded my labor for dollars. I used some of those dollars to keep myself alive and I in my fan, support my family. I use some of those dollars to save for a rainy day, and I take some of those dollars and I invest and expect a return. I take a risk on an investment and I expect a return over time. Okay, that mu- this this is people's money. Okay, family's money. Although the highest rated funds in terms of sustainability certainly attracted more capital than the lowest rated funds. None of the high sustainability funds outperformed any of the lowest rated funds. So what does that mean? It means that the ESG score meant nothing. It was no indicator of success in any way, shape, or form. All right. So that's a con, right? And we're talking about the conversation centered around ESG. Okay. Is ESG an effective measurement of a company's Financial viability because investors aren't giving their money away. Like I I, I used to, I say this all the time, right? I'm a wealthy guy, and and I've worked very hard. Grew up dirt ass poor. I, I've I've i everything I have I've built I've built myself. I worked really really hard. I put in hundred hours when the people that I was working against were putting in forty hours. I would I would get my ten thousand dollar ten thousand hours in to become an expert in sub subject. In two years, when it was taking other people five years, I worked harder. I put more blood and sweat into my work so that I could have a positive impact on the world, okay? I didn't do that so that I could turn around and take the capital I got in exchange for it and burn it because I'm stupid. What I want to do is I want to I leave behind a legacy family that can have a positive impact on the world long after I'm gone. So that means I need to be a good steward of the capital that we've, we've amassed as a family. So I'm not going to just, I'm not going to take it and invest in a company, that's simply that's got a high ESG score but can't make money. Okay, and and I'm going to talk about Twitter here in a second. Like, what is the if the what are the goals of ESG? The goals of ESG are sustainability, for humanity and the Earth. Those are noble goals. Is it in a, But is it in its current form an effective way of measuring the success of an organization? Fuck no. Come on, man. And I'm going to read some of your guys' comments from the Discord server. And then I'm, I'm going to talk about what we can do about it and how you should be focused as engineers, as change agents, as digital transformation professionals. What should you focus on? You certainly shouldn't focus on the parts of ESG that aren't going to sustain over the long term. You shouldn't, you need to be focused on the parts that are actually going to make companies more viable, more efficient. Those are the parts we need to be focused on, right? Um, And I I wanna talk about something here that I just think is is really, really profound. here in a minute, I wanna read the conversation, what you guys were saying. So we, Josh, um, uh, Josh put in a question in the Discord server, okay? And that question was, hey, what are your thoughts on ESG? And here were some of your guys' comments. So Josh's question was, what are your thoughts on ESG? Is it something manufacturers should be focusing on? Why or why not? And if not, what should manufacturers focus on? Now, let, I'll, I'll answer the question to start. Is ESG something manufacturers should be focusing on? Absolutely. But I think manufacturers should limit their focus to environmental and safety, which has been part of their issue, it been a part of their focus as long as I've been in, in my career, twenty-three years. Environmental and safety has been a part of every manufacturer I've ever worked at. I have i i've I've seen some companies do a really good job at it, and I've seen companies do a shitty job. Okay, so clearly ESG should be a focus. Governance, I think, is really hard to measure. Effective governance, and I think the market does a good job of. Of measuring effective governance based on the success of the organization. Right. Um, you know, I think General Motors, and you know, I think there are really large industrial companies that have done a shitty job of governance for a very, 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 very long time. General Motors is a perfect example. Okay. G- Get General Motors only exists because the US government bailed them out. They haven't been run well, and they're still not being run well. Mary Barra is a terrible chief executive. Terrible. Terrible. Um, Elon Musk is an exceptional chief executive. Okay. Uh, Exceptional. And in fact, Elon Musk has done more for sustainability of the human race and our planet than any human being who has ever lived in history. And anyone who disagrees with me, I want you to show me the person who's done more. Give me a name. Give me a name of a person who's done more. Who's actually had a more positive impact on sustainability than Elon Musk. He's brought internet to the entire world. He, he, he launches rockets for one, one hundredth the cost, or, and Hayden might kill me here. My son, maybe it's one, one thousandth the cost that NASA did. Okay. He, he safely returns rockets to the earth. His goal is to make the human species interplanetary, move a big chunk of our population somewhere else so that we can ease the strain that we put on the planet now. Yet, if you were to look at Tesla or you look at Elon Musk's company in terms of their ESG scores, they're not that great. And there's, so- there's something wrong with the people who are doing the scoring. They're, they're either the metrics are wrong the calculation of the KPI is wrong because, I mean, you. this is the ultimate gaslighting. If people are telling you, hey, that that FTX or ExxonMobil is a more socially conscious company than Tesla. Tesla's not even the S&P 500 for ES, ESG stocks anymore. right? They dropped out. I mean, I don't know if they're back, but they did drop out. And for what? I mean, it was, it was good for the local community. It's good for me. It's good for the environment. Your Tesla car becomes carbon neutral at about 60,000 miles. And yet their ESG score is low. How? Well, the answer is, is that the people who are doing the scoring don't like Elon Musk. Has it? They have a personal thing against Elon because he doesn't toe the line. He doesn't, he doesn't inherit the message. So, I mean, if we're talking about like real sustainability, is ESG an effective way of measuring it? Of course not. Does it take a rocket scientist? Does that mean we shouldn't measure it? Of course we should. We should measure the E. We should measure the safety. And as engineers and as architects, we need to be focused on that area. That's where we need to limit our focus. And that's when I get to my summary. Hey, what should we be focusing on? That's what I'm gonna talk about so uh and I, i'm assuming everybody's okay with me saying their names on what their comments so brian priby who's a business owner himself said esg is just a side mission in reality it's not going to save middle-class jobs improve quality of life yes save jobs no i would argue that esg there's no evidence that esg is uh improving the quality of life for anyone there's no there's no evidence it looks to me like t- the the companies that have the highest ESG scores. It's just it's smoke and mirrors. It's uh it's virtue signaling. Is it really having a positive impact? Really? Like uh you know Twitter had a really high ESG score, right? Before Elon took over and laid off half the people on stuff, was Twitter having a positive impact on the quality of life? Uh, for say. The city of San Francisco. Has anybody been to San Francisco lately? I have. It is a shithole. An absolute shithole. And I when I say shit, I mean shit for real. You could smell urine and feces. Okay. Walking down in the business district. Right by Twitter's HQ. W- was Twitter doing a good job for its employees? really are you doing a good job if you are if it, or if you are just fostering an environment of entitlement you don't have to you don't have to earn what it is you get you'll get 400 dollars a day worth of food and like was twitter doing a good job for their employees of course not because look what happened the the chicken came home to roost Eventually, Twitter had to sell because they they couldn't sustain. They couldn't stay in business. And what happened to the people who were entitled? They're gone. They don't have jobs. Twitter governance, Twitter's leaders didn't do a good job of of teaching their employees about the real world. Do you want to know why we work? Do you want to know why you have haves and have-nots in this world? It's because there isn't enough resources to go around on the earth. It's real basic math. No one ever sits down and puts the numbers on a whiteboard. But I mean, I know I was stunned when I was in college in the 90s, studying sociology and I saw the numbers. Hey, I just went and took the global GDP and divided it by the population, which was like in the high six billions at the time. And I was like, oh my God, if we if we divided total productivity across all the people on the planet, It's basically $12,000 a year in productivity. So in in theory, without any energy loss, you know, you could basically divvy up $12,000 a year worth of resources across the entire planet. Now, once you take away the incentive to create those resources, that number drops, splits in half. So then you have everybody on Earth is living on $6,000 and you have mass starvation. The best way to create equity, to create good societies, the best way for us to sustain the the environment is to create the financial incentive to do so. Right now, ESG is not creating that financial incentive because even under the Harvard Business Review's own analysis, and anybody can go do this themselves, and we're going to share the links to all this stuff, those investments, the highest rated ESG companies aren't outperforming the lowest rated financially. So what does that mean? It means that initial um, round of investors in the very beginning who are shoveling their money into high ESG scores are going to lose their money and they won't have more capital to reinvest in more high ESG companies. So what you're going to see is a big surge in the beginning. And then unless those companies start becoming more and more sustainable, more profitable, that all that cash will get burned, it's just going to drop off a cliff, just like with the tech bubble. Two decades. I don't think that ESG investment will even take that long. So companies have to become more viable in the market. You have to tie ESG to viability, not just tie ESG to whether or not someone's going to invest in you. Because guess what? Investors will eventually realize that the ESG investment's a bad investment. And I'm going to invest in the companies that give me the best terms. They're going to go right the, the best returns. I'm going to go back to Warren Buffett, the Warren Buffett strategy, best leadership, best business model and play the long game. So what do you guys think? So Tomas said, companies that find ESG today as a byproduct or a side mission are equally short-sighted as are are those companies that believe they don't need to digitally transform. I agree. ESG is important. What I'm saying is is that the the implementation of ESG as we see it today is flawed. Horribly flawed. And we have to help fix it. Um, Jeff Rankinen. Just like a human-generated OEE is pencil-whipped and useless, a human-generated ESG will be pencil-whipped and useless. Agreed, Jeff, 1,000%. Why is Tesla's ESG score less than ExxonMobil's ESG score, for example? How does that make any sense? How did that even pass the sniff test? How did the person who did those scores for Exxon and Tesla and put them next to each other, how could either of those companies go, yeah, that passes the sniff test? This makes total sense. E- Tesla's low ESG score is simply a function of th- the elites who control the scoring of ESG having a vendetta against Elon Musk because he doesn't toe the line. And by the way, that's the, p- that's the problem with centralized global control, obviously. All components of the ESG score need to be machine generated and the algorithm made public for an ESG score to be meaningful 100% this is a great opportunity for principled automation experts to take a stand to make sure ESG scores are calculated without bias. Okay. Or, and if they are calculated with bias, they are peer reviewed and adjusted. Um, Harshal had a really good um, comment. It's long, but I'm gonna go ahead and read it. And then we'll, we'll do the the straight skinny. And then Michael Brown will join us. I'll, I'll have a call to action and then we'll bring in Michael Brown. So Harshal said that ESG, in a nutshell, is a great concept. In my experience with large corporations, venture capital firms, private equity, and many startups in the renewable energy space, I have often come across greedy businesses who fund them by trying to greenwash obtaining or buying their credentials from firms like B Corp, PwC, and other McKinsey-type firms that are part of the problem in developing these fancy stories for their clients' metrics when we need to question their vested interests. ESG could be enhanced by simplicity, forcing firms to declare their energy usage and to prove where it came from. However, how do we validate this claim? That's the gray area for most firms to breed upon to greenwash. However, we have come across so many firms that have declined to declare any of their energy usage information in the name of GDPR, their data protection, which is protected in the United Kingdom. We are trying to develop a hydrogen fuel cell, a renewable energy product. And during the COVID pandemic, we saw in the last couple of years that oil and gas giants publish more than 100 articles a week to season our brains to convince blue hydrogen, which is derived from fossil fuels, is the best option. We all thought the time had arrived, but since I've been attending conferences and live shows of hydrogen technologies, the real progress is minuscule. I hope we will find ways to go beyond 1.5 temperature C global warming. However, in the world of BlackRock, which owns more than 80% of oil and gas assets, more than $6 trillion in value, the leader himself has said several times their goal is to look for the shareholder's interest, and he's doing the right thing. Hence, ESG is good, but most successful firms use it to their advantage by misleading us that they are our savers. All companies are using it to their advantage, not most. By the way, you'd be doing—you're doing your shareholders a disinterest. Uh, 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 um, you're going against the best interest of your shareholders if you waste their money. Okay. Sustainability, right? Sustainability is profitable if done right. My argument with ESG right now is that the current approaches, when people say ESG is the best way to measure, the efficacy of digital transformation. I'm gonna argue you're wrong. I think I think that we can effectively use incorporate the elements of the environmental pillar of ESG to effectively measure the efficacy of digital transformation. Why? Because that is a concurrent indicator of progress. The 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 measurements in energy or in our environment. Those are concurrent indicators. So that is if my renewable fuel use goes up, my greenhouse gas emissions go down, my energy efficiency goes up, my climate risk goes down, my water management goes down, is is a high management score, low use score. I have really effective recycling processes and I'm prepared for an emergency. If I'm if I'm if I did something in the last three months to improve the organization. I'm going to see those scores improve right now, okay? However, and by the way, those can all be done empirically and and based on a standard. Social and governance, so much outside of the health and safety component of the social pillar, is open to interpretation and is a function of your worldview. So whether or not you are diverse or inclusive is a function of your worldview. There are people who believe you can include by ex- include some by excluding others, and that that means that you could have a high inclusion score. So there are people who believe that if you say, "Hey, if you're a white person, if you're a white male, you can't apply for this job," and because I hire someone who's not a white male in that job, that's a high inclusion score. There are people who don't agree with that. There are people who say, "Well, no, what you did was you excluded." And that what real inclusion is is leveling the playing field and giving everyone a fair opportunity to be included. The point is it's an abstraction. It's open to interpretation. And right and, and if you look at the maturity of societies, civilizations across the world, they're not at all the same maturity level. So you're not going to see wide adoption of these the social pillar. You're not going to see wide adoption of the governance pillar under the governance side. Okay. Under the governance side, you, you might see, and, and social side, you might see people who say you should never fire anyone, no matter how useless they are, no matter how much they don't believe in the corporate mission. They're entitled to a job. No, you're not. The only thing that you are promised that you, that you are entitled to is opportunity. And you'll be judged by what you did with that opportunity. That's the way it should be. That's my opinion. That's the market's opinion. Okay. Um, That's history's opinion. (laughs) All right. So what should we be focused on? Okay. Well, let's start with uh, an interesting tweet that I just saw the other day. This was two days ago. Carol Roth, um, a blue checker on Twitter. This was yesterday, actually. She wrote, remember when at Elon Musk wanted to bring free speech to Twitter, and then the S&P removed Tesla from their ESG 500 index, but kept in Exxon. And by the way, this is a true story. This just happened. She said, ESG is business social credit, and it's a means to control capital, to keep business people in line with the narrative and ultimately control you. Now, I don't know if I agree with that piece, but I do believe it is suspect when the S and P removes Tesla from their ESG 500 index, but Exxon Mobil's in there, how could Exxon Mobil possibly be in the ESG 500 index? They still haven't built their own their first carbon neutral refinery. Okay, I and I'm not against Exxon Mobil here. I believe the market will take care of the greenhouse issue. Okay, the, the, as soon as soon as solar is cheaper. Then fossil fuel, and it'll become because it's a—it's only a matter of time. Fossil fuels will be depleted to the point where the supply is so low and the demand is so high, the demand will shift to a, a, a greenhouse or a, a green energy, which I, which is already happening in my communities. Okay, the the explosion in Tesla usage. I my my energy consumption, how much I had to pay to charge my Tesla, costs a lot less than what it costs to put diesel fuel in my pickup truck and my tesla car is way more awesome. I get all these software updates. Just gets better and better and better. But that's the market handling it. You know what Elon Musk's response was to Carol Ross tweet there? ESG is the devil. So when the man when the guy who's done more for sustainability on earth than any other person, any other human being who has ever lived in all of human history, and I, I challenge you to give me an example of the person who's done more. He wants to make human species interplanetary to re- reduce the, the load on the planet and and to make us allow us to survive, once the sun burns out in five billion years. He's the first person you ever. Have you ever watched the movie Who Killed the Electric Car? How did he make Tesla possible? How did he make Tesla successful when the big three automakers GM Chrysler and Ford had the ability to basically shut anyone down. They basically had the U.S. government in their back pocket. How was it he was able to do that? And he made it possible. And, all, and don't think for a second that Volkswagen and Hyundai and General Motors and Ford, who have done a shitty job with their EV market, by the way, I think Volkswagen and Hyundai have done a phenomenal job on the electric side. But I think Ford and General Motors have done a terrible job, really terrible job. All you do is drive the Ford F-150 Lightning, to to see my point, go ahead and tow something with it. Sandy Monroe will tell you the same thing who we've had here on the podcast. Tesla is the reason that all these other companies have followed suit. And yet they were dropped out of the ESG 500 index by S&P. How's that objective? So what's the skinny? Okay, what should you be focusing on? We'll bring Michael in. Josh, Michael is on the call, right?
1: Yes, he
0: is. Give me, give me 60 seconds to button it up and we'll bring Michael in and he'll tell us about AWS reInvent. Um, we, our focus needs to be in our industry, okay, and in this community, we need to focus on the environmental pillar, okay? First thing we need to do is we need to start by connecting, collecting, storing, and analyzing data across these subtopics of renewable fuels, How many? what renewable fuels are you using and how much? And at the same time, you need to be measuring which fossil fuels are you using and how much, so that we can do a ratio. Okay, energy efficiency. If you're an engineer and you're specing new equipment, you need to spec in the ability to track energy efficiency of that uh, of that piece of equipment from the OEM. That is electricity, water, etc. Climate risk. That's an abstraction that happens at a much higher level. If we're collecting this data on energy efficiency, greenhouse gases, and renewable fuels across at L1 and L2 in these plants, then at L3 and L4, we can calculate our climate risk, the that, that negative impact we're having on the climate. Same thing with water management, recycling processes, and emergency preparedness. Our focus needs to be on the environmental side and incorporate in the health and safety kpis in the social pillar ignore everything else here's why the social and governance components are still open for debate they're going to continue to change they're as, as societies as our societies uh, mature they the what how we define safe working conditions employee benefits what diversity and conclusion is human rights and impact on local communities wh- is going to change at the speed of light, And and they're going to change year over year because right now investors are losing money on their ESG investments. The high ESG companies are not outperforming the low ESG ESG companies. And at the end of the day, there aren't enough resources to go around. Therefore, people are going to focus their resources on where those resources compound. All right. Please leave your comments below. On this specific ju- subject, we're gonna be talking about ESG again and mastermind, our next mastermind session. But with that, I want to bring in Michael Brown, who is at the AWS reInvent show. Hey, how's it going, Michael?
1: Man, doing just great. How are you guys doing? Uh, Man, just
0: awesome, bro. Hey, I really I really appreciate you joining us. So do you you wanna? I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just turn it over to you. What are your thoughts? You know, where are you? Why are you there? What are your thoughts? And what should our community be aware of? in terms of any of the big announcements coming out of the keynote at AWS reInvent here just in the last hour.
1: Sure, so um, I'm actually sitting out here. We have the uh, the AWS Industries uh, like lounge and tent here. So inside of here is like all kinds of demonstrations. We got robotics, there's some sort of EV car over here and it's everything from manufacturing to energy to 5G. Like there's an entire like demo area here for for industry. And this is at reInvent, this is an IT conference. Um, you know, speaking of that, at the keynote, uh, uh, Cedric, the uh, the CEO of, uh, of of Digital at Siemens, was one of the speakers, right? So he came on, and really just talking about the the relationship that Siemens has with AWS, that, that, that this is their horse that they're going to ride, and uh, you know they really had three killer, you know, three points. As number one, they're taking all of Siemens industrial software and putting on AWS. They want to make it so that it's not just the Fortune 500 or the Fortune 250 that can afford. Um, you know, the, these, these high-end applications, they want to put it on AWS and make it so that startups, small businesses can use the same software. Um, they're really looking for, you know, something that's, you know, near and dear to all of our heart is, you know, unleashing the data. He, he made a statement, I was going to go look it up. He said an average, you know, midsize factory creates 2200 terabytes of data a month. Like it's in the machines though. It's just sitting in the machines. Like if you think about everything that's happening and it just, the data just sits there, it's like, that's where that's where they're coming from. So 2,200 terabytes a month and it just, nobody uses any of it, right? Yeah. They want to figure out how to be able to get that out, do things with it, obviously with Siemens, right? And then um, uh, third is just, you know, being able to make it, uh, being able to scale with things like Mendix, right? That was their product. So he that was his three points is, you know, being able to develop, you know, uh, Applications quickly being able to get access to the data, and and making the software available on AWS. So, again, remember IT conference. The CEO of, of Siemens Digital was here speaking at it. So, you know, these are the types of things that you got to look at. Did we have any? Um, did we have any manufacturing specific announcements? No, we didn't see any new things. Now that it still could come, uh, either tomorrow or Thursday. There's two more you know smaller keynotes, if you will. Um, so we still might get some, you know, something around TwinMaker, IoT, something like that, some sort of, you know, new capabilities. We might see that, but what we have is, uh, you know, the the actual keynote itself is. Last night it started with uh, uh, Peter Desantis, the VP of Cloud Computing. He was talking about new instance types. When we talk about data and the scale of data, dude, if you've heard me speak, sometimes I'll make this flippant comment. Um, that you know, AWS doesn't use TCP. They provide it to the users for convenience. Um, they've now formalized that thing. It's called SRD. It's a protocol, and that protocol is so far superior. It, it allows them to go from a, like a T3 instance doing five gig on a single stream of throughput to 25 gig on a single stream of throughput using just protocol, just changing that. So they're 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 starting to adopt that across. And so now your high-end instances are get 200 gigabit in the cloud of network connectivity. It starts getting ridiculous, right? Wait, and this then, is na-
0: this is native to the AWS infrastructure. You're saying,
1: that's wow. right. Yeah, it's a, it's oh, a, that- basically they took this protocol SRD, and it they use it instead of TCP on the underlying capability. And it uh, what it is, it's multi. It, so it, it you know what TCP does a single path and it does it really fast. But if if something ends up in the wrong place, if it ends up in the wrong order, you know, on the other side, TCP retransmits. SRD don't care. It just sends it all. Use any path that you want as fast as you can. When it gets to the other side, we'll take care of it, and um, it just increases reliability and throughput like, like ridiculous. Well, so I, I didn't. Think,
0: I knew that I knew SRD was more efficient than TCP, but I didn't know it was at that scale. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a huge exponential scale up.
1: Yeah. Wow! Holy so, crap! Yeah, they just kind of he just that was that was that was what they threw in last night. And so then, um, uh, so Pesky today was talking about so it's really around, you know, they, they started out with uh, sustainability, you know, talking about your ESG, you know, they've moved their timeline forward, they're going to be um, uh, energy neutral by 2025, right, they're 85% there today. So All of the huge data centers across all all the buildings, it includes the buildings, it includes where we work, where the uh, Amazon people work, all the data centers, energy energy neutral, uh, uh, renewable energy 2025, and then water positive, so you know not consuming any water whatsoever, actually giving water back by 2030. So I started out with that, it's pretty cool. And then um, they went to data, so they, they put some things around. Now, this is important when we start talking about tying the UNS into the data lake. They put together some, uh, some, some capabilities around the, the multiple areas of, of data transformation, being able to ingest the data, being able to um, ETL the data, right? They, somebody made the statement or a, uh, one, a customer made the statement on the screen. ETL is a, a uh, actually, I wrote it down, I want to make sure I get it right. It was hysterical because I felt the exact same way. Uh, <laughs> A thankless, unsustainable black hole, like traditional ETL, because okay. it's it's all you know one line, and, and you, in, uh, and if the customer consumer asks for something different, you have to go change it in 15 places, right? Right. So, you know, he he announced this idea of a zero ETL future. Right. So, you know, it's kind of nuanced, but when you really start thinking about the use cases, there's now an Aurora Redshift zero ETL integration. So you can be in, ingesting data into Aurora coming from a, a traditional pipeline or data sitting in Aurora on top of a thing. And that's going to be MySQL and Postgres. Um, and then it just syncs with Redshift, right? So you can actually put the transformations in Redshift and it's it's near real time, right? So they made that. That was pretty cool. Um, then they said, "Oh, you know, you know, Apache Spark, right? Uh, if you know, using Spark, that's that's critical, right? That's how we do ML today, or not, you know, data uh, data transformation today. So it's already in Glue, it's already in uh, Athena, it's already in EMR, EMR, a couple of the services. Um, they're going, okay, well now it's in Redshift. You can just run uh, Apache jobs in Redshift. So that, again, it's I'm not having to move data to do that. Um, the next one was all right. This was a pretty big one." right now today. So I, I've, you know, the, the job this year, I've been building a lot of data lakes for customers, and managing that and managing that tedious data pipeline, right, building those things out. Um, one of the hardest things is, okay, I need an interface, right, I need to, like I need to be able to manage the data catalog, you know, I, I, I didn't get to catch it. But you were talking about uh, MDM on the plant floor, I've been preaching that forever, right? You got to have master data model, and you got to have data catalogs. That are in context to the person like if you get if you get an engineer and he logs into the data catalog and there's everywhere that is not going to do anything he, he needs context so they just announce what they call it i have to look at the names because they amazon data zone so it's a web portal you go into the web portal you can take all the data and all the underlying data catalogs you can put your taxonomy around it you can put your organization like you can make it hierarchical who can access what um and then it uses ml to start you know putting all that together for you so you now have a web portal so that producers or consumers can go into the producers can go in and publish data into the catalog and then the consumers can go in and 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 consume it right and it has all the information necessary to be able to uh, grab that data how soon it's updated so they've put a governance layer around data lakes that make it uh, super I haven't seen it yet. I'm look, I'm going to look at it, you know, tonight. Uh, yeah. I'm they, looking at yeah. the press release. I'm looking at the press release right now
0: uh, from today. It's literally, yep. it came out 30 minutes ago uh, on, on Business Wire. So Berkshire just announced it, and wow! So I would say, based on everything, that's the biggest announcement. Uh, so that's far. a big. Yeah, that's the biggest announcement so far, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Holy crap. Uh, That is something that Microsoft's got to be freaking out now. I mean, Azure's got to be, because nothing like that exists on the Azure portal. Uh, And I don't know if, architecturally speaking, that's something they're going to be able to pull off uh, without fundamental changes.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, and you're seeing that and, 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 and in my new role, like I, I work in Azure, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm studying for my Azure exam, so I can't, I'm not all AWS all the time anymore. But it, it, that's exactly right. I think there's architectural like fundamental infrastructure capabilities that Amazon has invested in over a long period of time that other companies simply can't do now because they haven't been investing in doing that. Like this Nitro platform, they're up to version five now. This thing's insane, right? It's It's a hypervisor in a chip it's not software hypervisor it's a hypervisor and chip and it enables them to do some things that just you just can't do using traditional software approach. Um, oh, I, I also
0: think Amazon I also think Amazon's pure commitment to uh service based architecture with yeah. workflow that their the pure the the 100% commitment to service based with workflow development has made that has laid all the foundation for interoperability at scale within the AWS infrastructure, which makes something like AWS data zone or Amazon data zone. I think they're calling it right. Data zone possible, right? You just put the, put the hat on top of everything. And now you've got, you have a view into your data. Uh, That's, that's a huge, I would say anybody who's watching Definitely the yeah. biggest announcement is this data zone announcement for sure. Yep.
1: And then <laughs> I followed up that like you just kind of capped it with, you know, so QuickSight is their BI tool, right? It's Amazon's BI tool and it's, it's been pretty decent. They, they've added like 80 features to it this year alone, right? They keep adding to it. It's got a, but the, but the coolest thing is get this thing called QuickSight Q for questions. So you can ask it natural language questions. So you pull your data in, whatever it is, sales, production, quality, whatever, you can say, Hey, what are my top 10 defects? over the last two months versus top 10 defects over the last year, right? You can ask it questions like that and it will generate like a charts and graphs and like it builds a dashboard for you based on your questions. Um, So they added today, so it it already does that today. So what they turned on today is forecasting. So you can say, what is my quality based on the current data over the next 24 hours, next 30 days, something like that. So it starts doing um, predictive natural language, you know, in QuickSight. That is awesome. Uh, Yeah, that was pretty slick. And then they switched over to security and going back to your thing about the interoperability. So Amazon and a whole bunch of other security companies created what's called the Open Cybersecurity Schema Framework. I had no idea until they announced it. Apparently it's already been in place. But talking about all the security platforms, this is, this is important to us as well. Uh, all the security platforms, they spit out logs, right? I don't care, you know, Rapid7, Cisco, whatever else. They split out these logs and they're all in different formats. They're all in their own formats. Yep. And trying to parse the scheme and pull it all together, it becomes insane. So uh, last year, the OS the OCSF was put together and it has all the the big players in it. And so uh, the the next thing is they basically wrapped up a data lake for security. It's Amazon security data lake, and it integrates with all of the, you know, the big players, uh, all the Amazon services and pumps data. Like it's a click button and you set it up and you give it the infrastructure and it just starts dumping security data and helping you. Now you can query, you know, uh, how many, how many login attempts have been, you know, on my routers, you know, corporate-wide, you know, how many failed login attempts, how many routers are this, like you can start asking questions through Athena or other third parties uh, like Splunk to be able to pull that data out. And so they're they're just putting some framework and some solutioning, which is news, kind of something new that, you know, Amazon builds building blocks, right? We're actually starting to see they're coming up in the solution stack, making it more accessible. And uh, what I would hallucinate, uh, you know, tomorrow is the ML day, like gonna be a lot of ML and data tomorrow. And then uh, Werner, the CTO, he's all over the place. It's awful, always serverless or dev or something like that on Thursday. Uh, we're probably gonna see some more solution approaches in my opinion. Awesome. All right, so
0: hey brother, I appreciate you joining. So for those of you watching, everybody should know Michael Brown from the community, but uh, real quick, you know, he used to be a solutions architect with Amazon Web Services. He's now the Director of Architecture and Innovation at RTS, which is Resolve Technical Services, which is an MSCP based here in Dallas. Michael and I have worked together a bunch of times. We're actually meeting with a client here shortly to go over AWS infrastructure. Um I would just real quick. Michael leads RTS's architecture and innovation practices, but and they serve their customers by providing advisory services, professional services, and managed services in the following areas: cloud, ERP, security, IoT, edge, enterprise software, and automation, RPA. We will include Michael's contact info in the description if you want to get a hold of him at RTS, and also you can find him in the Discord server. I think it's your at it's Michael Brown is your name in the Discord server, right? Uh, yeah michael brother i appreciate you joining us man uh looking forward to working with you again here shortly and uh be safe
1: thanks everybody
0: thanks michael all right so and with that uh i uh, that was a special treat My, uh, josh i want to thank josh for and Cheryl for putting that together they're the ones who reach out to michael to get him to give his his uh his take on uh a w s reinvent hey josh are there any um any questions i need to answer before we we get off here i want to i wanted to say one one thing real quick the the two thousand um petabytes or whatever it was that they are you know a day that are on the plant floor that announcement there that's that's actually a big increase from like 1600 which is what i was uh, the last number i saw was 1600 a day uh, and so that means that w- what that tells me is that the amount of data that's on the plant floor has is con- just continuing to grow at an ex- exponential rate, and we're not necessarily unlocking it. So, um, Josh, any questions i need to, I need to answer here? Uh, could that replace MQT? Oh, uh, so uh, the SRD protocol. So, the answer is, uh, I, I would say possibly well i wouldn't say i would think of srd as on top of mqtt so i don't see it replacing but i see it augmenting mqtt at least in the short term what i'm going to do is actually uh take a look at the new spec for srd because now that aws is fully srd and no tcp whatsoever um and and i'll i'll give my thoughts on it in the next mastermind session uh, Annabelle, a problem with the ESG that I see is that heaven's angels are needed to administer this and apply it fairly. The USSR and CCP commissars like inevitably end up running this program. Um, yeah, the, what's you know again, on the ESG piece, if we come back to it, just my overall take, and then we'll we'll take it home here. ESG is a is a, a very noble goal. It's an incredibly noble goal. Sustainability has to be a focus for all humanity. But the idea that people are going to burn their money, investors are going to burn their money in the name of humanity is preposterous. If if you don't make ESG good business, then no one's going to pay any attention to it. Okay, So if focusing on the environment if focusing on social and focusing on governance isn't going to make your company more profitable, more efficient, then it's pointless. And right now, there is a very valid argument that ESG isn't translating into higher profits. And investors aren't, are never, it doesn't matter how much, if you're an investor who invests in things that doesn't return a profit, you're not an investor for very long. You eventually run out of money. You're, and, and, and it's survival of the fittest. The investors who are investing in things that doesn't give them a return, financial return, eventually run out of money to invest. And the only people you have left are the ones who are focusing on ret- investments that give returns. Okay. I live in the real world. I wish that, there, that nobody had to work. I wish that everyone could wake up and just do whatever they wanted to all day long. And, you know, they have plenty to eat and shelter and everything. That isn't the real world. And the reason it's not the real world is because the house you live in, the food you eat, all that stuff requires work and someone has to do it. Okay? And and in and you exchange your work for capital that allows you to buy the goods that are produced by someone else's work. That's just the 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 skinny of it. Okay? So ESG has to be profitable. And if it's not profitable, it won't sustain. And there are elements of ESG right now that are not profitable. OK, and, and Elon Musk is proving this to Twitter. Twitter couldn't compete in the market and they were going to run out of money. They were just hemorrhaging money. They had huge teams that were focused on, you know, inclusive language and all this jazz. Right. And it made it didn't make Twitter more profitable. OK, Elon Musk had to get rid of nearly all those people. In order for Twitter to be sustainable. Okay. And, you know, there's a whole bigger political element here, which I just don't want to get into. I don't even care about it. If I'm being honest with you, what I want us to do as community is we need to focus on, we need to focus on, uh, you know, I'm all for greenhouse or or green energy, but I recognize green energy is not going to, uh, isn't going to take hold until green energy is profitable you know we gave 2 billion dollars whatever during the obama administration who by the way i voted for president obama both times love him still love him to this day okay so the people who accuse me of being like a far right wing trump supporter which i'm not i didn't vote for trump in either election i voted for the libertarian candidate uh, in both elections and i voted for barack obama in the previous two elections so uh those of you who accuse me of being like a a white far right, whatever guy is, you couldn't possibly be more wrong. I'm, I'm half native American. I'm, you know, it's like, it's, uh, yeah, grew up poor. I, you know, I'm a realist. That's all I am. I'm just a realist. I I vote on the left. I vote on the right. I I think there are a lot of great progressive causes. I think there are a lot of good conservative causes. I think I support the second amendment and I believe in, in free speech Uh, because the reason why, is because I believe the best ideas have to win. The, and the only way you get to the best ideas through common speech, Great, the, the old adage, you know, better to keep your mouth shut and look like a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? It's it, the the people who have bad ideas when they open their mouth are going to lose, or they're going to lose in the war in the in the war ideas. And so we have to we have to share those ideas. ESG is a noble goal that right now does is not tied directly to a uh, high per financial performance in companies, but there are elements in the environmental pillar and in the social pillar that we can focus on as industry 4.0 professionals to help make companies more profitable and sustainable at the exact same time. And that's the only way that ESG is going to be effective is if it's bo- if, if it's tied to profitability and sustainability. In terms of the AWS announcement, yes, Redshift sync does sound awesome mario ishigawa but the big hey guys the the big announcement here is the amazon data zone uh go ahead and read the uh on business wire just google it aws announces the amazon data zone i'll put it in the notes and josh will include it in the description i'd go ahead and read that press release um that's good stuff that's a big announcement right there that's a that's a big piece um all right with that like subscribe um Comment below the comments, the biggest thing for the algorithm. Those of you watching on LinkedIn, thank you for joining in. Those of you listening on Apple Podcasts and any other podcast pa- platform, please jump over to YouTube and give us your comments. And let me know if you want me to touch on ESG again. I think I've I've i drove home the point that there's a lot of hype around ESG and what it is, you know, what's the the realistic interpretation of it and where do we need to be focused? But I I'm I'm happy to cover the topic again next time. For those of you um, who are coming into the Christmas season and celebrate Christmas, um, you know, let's, let's remember what this holiday is all about and, um, you know, give praise and, and thanks to, to, to all the blessings in your life.